Welcome to Pebble in the Pond, a podcast that hopes to create a ripple of change for mental health. My name is Sam Stewart and I'm the CEO of the Australian and New Zealand Mental Health Association. Each year I have the pleasure of attending events to meet and connect with the most fascinating and accomplished people in mental health. Listen in as I go one-on-one with the people changing the face of mental health in Australia and New Zealand, from lived experience speakers through to researchers, academics and influential industry leaders. Our Pebble in the Pond podcast episodes may contain themes or topics of discussion that may be triggering to some listeners. If you feel you need assistance with your mental health at any time, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or visit the Get Help page for additional resources at anzmh.asn.au. Hello listeners and thanks for tuning in to episode 30 of season 2 of our Pebble in the Pond podcast. Hope everyone is staying safe and healthy out there during these uncertain times. There are 2.1 million Australians of working age with disability. Of these, just under half are employed. In order to boost these statistics, programs that educate and empower both employees and employers are essential. To help people with a disability to cultivate a positive mindset and to improve their outlook on life, At Work Australia has partnered with Monash University to develop Positivum, an educational-based assessment and health coaching program. By helping to understand thoughts, beliefs and behaviours, the Positivum program aims to empower individuals with a disability to take charge of their mindset to increase their chances of getting employed. Heading up this project is Dorothy Frost, Manager of Research and Innovation at MedHealth Group. Well regarded as a visionary, practical and engaging leader, Dorothy works across varied sectors including workers' compensation, disability employment and life insurance to continually refine and improve how vulnerable individuals can be supported to sustain work. Tune in this week as Dorothy discusses the Positivum program, what she is doing differently the second time around in isolation, being from Victoria, and the impacts it's having on an increasing unemployment rate and the mindsets of those with a disability. All right, thanks very much, Dorothy uh, Frost, for joining us today on the podcast and sharing your your story, but also all about the great work that you're up to um, with our listeners. So thanks very much for coming on the show. No, thanks for having me. No problem. So let's get into, let's just start with the four H's. We'll break a bit of ice with uh, hobbies. What are your, what are the hobbies that you're, you're into? I know we're during, you're in Melbourne and we're in a COVID time at the moment, but what, in a normal life, what are your, what are your hobbies that you like doing? Well, I must say, um, being a busy working mum, um, it's, it's sort of hard to remember what you really enjoy doing when you have free time. But for me, it's always really been around exercise, whether that's, you know, going on hikes or doing yoga. Um, and in the last few years, I've actually made a really conscious effort to make sure that I do fit in the things that I really enjoy doing, even though my life is so busy and I feel like I'm sort of juggling everything. But I, I really try to make sure I still make time for those things. So I probably don't regard them as hobbies, but more, more as necessities. Um, I mean, you could almost say the whole juggle, being a juggle, juggler is kind of my hobby at the moment. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm balancing homeschooling and, uh, yes, and work right. and all those sorts yep. of things. It must be yeah. tough. Um, that's really interesting. So a bit of the outdoorsy type. You love getting out to nature, having a walk around. Well, and even at the moment, I mean, one nice thing about being stuck at home is um, we've had some lovely sunny days in Melbourne. So just making sure we get out and enjoy the sun when we can. 
Good on you. Probably a little bit more flexibility at the moment, which is one benefit. Well, that's good. We're thinking of all you um, Melbournians down there doing uh, and Victoria going through some hard times at the moment. So, um, so that's really good that you can still get out and about and enjoy some sunshine. So, uh, yeah, that's really good. Okay, so the next H is uh, for heroes. Who are the, some of the heroes in your life? Um, well, I recently got around to reading Michelle Obama's autobiography, and I must wow. say, I could um, really resonate a bit with her, like balancing again career, young children, um, and then add to that. I mean, particularly that time in the lead up to um, Barack Obama being nominated as um, a presidential candidate. I mean, that was probably a really, really busy time. But I, I suppose what I like about her is that throughout all that, she never really lost sight of who she was and who she is and what's important to her. So, um, yeah, I was actually surprised at how much I enjoyed um, reading that book and learning about her and it's given me a bit to reflect on. She's a great example of a true leader um, and a great yeah. example for women in leadership as well. And yeah. Yeah. it seems like a really authentic – I haven't read the book, but she seems like yeah. a really authentic person. Yeah, no, I think she is. Um, she's actually just released some podcasts in the last week, so I'm hoping to get around to read them and listen to them as well. Oh, great. No, what a what a great uh, a great suggestion and and someone to look up to. What yeah. are, what are some of the highlights in your life, whether it's personal, professional, something you've been really proud to to achieve? Um, I think at the moment, even just reflecting on, um, you know, that you never you just never know what's around the corner. Um, and and there's been some things personally where people have sort of left us unexpectedly and it makes you just think you just can't always wait for tomorrow so uh, last year um, and my husband and I decided to do a big family trip to the States um, I mean it was quite expensive on the back of you know renovate massive renovations the year before but we thought look they're a really good age to take you know to California and Disneyland and things like that wow. and we had a really really amazing time um, and you know, looking back, we just couldn't have done it this year. Well, who knows when we'd be, when we'll be able to go overseas again? So um, I'm really glad that we took that opportunity, and it was such a positive experience for us all. Yeah, well, the kids would have had a ball over there. Yeah, no, it was really good. <laughs> oh, that's good. So uh, a great highlight. And what's what's some of the last H's for hardships? What's something that mm. you've had to overcome in your life? Something that you've struggled through? Um, yeah, do you have any examples of that? Well, I probably can't really think much beyond the current situation. I mean, yeah. you know, to think that this time last year we planned a trip overseas and, and at the moment I can't you know, be with, be outside five kilometres from my home. I mean, it's just so almost, you know, it's so bizarre. Um, and I think what I've found most particularly challenging is just how to be so conscious that my kids, remaining um, mentally healthy and well and not to overwhelm them with what's happening. Um, my daughter in particular is in her final year of primary school and, and is mm. just really disappointed that she, you know, her friends are her life <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, you know, just trying to make sure that, you know, just letting go and, you know, we've sort of made a real conscious effort, my husband and I, to think about how we approach, as we call it ISO 2, the second phase and how we're doing it differently this time but um, I think the kids wellness and health is a priority and you've got to remain really healthy and, and um, mentally well to be able to support them so that's been a real challenge actually just in the last few months. So as you, re as you refer to that 
uh, distinction between ISO 1 and ISO 2. Mm, yeah. What, what are some of the things you've become more aware of going into the second time? What, what are some of the yep. key things you're doing differently? Um, well, the first time it was really hard because it was kind of kids, like within a couple of days, kids were just home. <laughs> so, you know, my husband and I had both been working from home for a couple of months by then and our diaries were pretty busy. And, and whereas, so this time, I, like I always make the time, to, I was. Um, schedule half an hour off in the morning and I have a young boy who's very active and we always just go outside and he rides his bike up and down the street (laughs) several times. So little things like that that just are really important that you've just got to consciously schedule those breaks into your day. We also, um, we've stopped now with stage four restrictions that we've always had a nanny during the year and we um, had her coming in even though we're at home and we don't need her to take the kids to school or pick them up. We've just had her coming in for a couple of hours every afternoon, which means um, she just does that whole, you know, take the kids out of the house again, get them out into into the open, getting some fresh air. So we just sort of kept, we just, yeah, like I said, made some conscious decisions to do it differently. And, and also, who cares if my son's on the iPad for two, two hours in a row, but if he's talking to his friends and they're playing a game together, whereas... Yeah. For me, that's a big no-no usually. <laughs> but now it's been a great way to, for him to remain connected with his friends. So, you know, again, just letting some of your old standards go and yeah. just thinking this is an unusual time and you need to approach it differently to um, how you normally do. That's a great point, isn't it? The adjustment um, to be able to relax some of the things you typically yeah. wouldn't otherwise allow um, yeah. for this situation. But I think, yeah, but the big learning is, Things just don't happen. You've got to actually stop and reflect and think about them. And that's what we did, which was, um, I think really has helped us move forward. And we just keep checking in. How do you think today went? How did this week go? Yeah. Um, on that, yeah, Dorothy, it is a tough time. On, mm. on that, Dorothy, I read a great quote last week which, which said, it's, it's not the experience itself that we learn from, but the reflection of the experience that's mm. important, yep. um, which is yep. probably what you touched on there. Yeah, that's right. Having that reflection time and allowing the nanny to come in as well, obviously not in the, not anymore, but that would have given you some time to yourself too because that's also critical, isn't it? Oh, yeah, and making sure like for me, actually booking in my most difficult or most, probably more challenging bits of my job, I would always do it during those hours because I knew I wouldn't be interrupted. <laughs> yeah. That worked quite well. And it's great for her to keep her in a job. I mean, she's a uni student, her first year of uni, you know, what a great time in your life and that's been take, taken away from her as well. So it's good yeah. to at least help someone else remain employed as well. Tough, a tough adjustment for, for parents, for people that have to work from home, or for anyone who's still working during this environment, but also the kids, like you forget about these years uh, in, in any grade really, but even, you know, in the latter years of, of grade 11 and 12 yeah. or uni, you're right. Yeah. I mean, such yeah. such amazing times normally in your life and so memorable yeah. and many yeah. students don't have that opportunity. But um, yeah. but anyway, we've got to do our best to keep getting through this <laughs> and, and hopefully yeah. numbers keep coming down in Victoria. But as yeah. we... As we go this, what, what's your? You want to share with our listeners what, what's your background? Um, tell us how you got into where you are today, but but where it started. Sure. Um, well, I studied occupational therapy. I didn't really know what that was about, but I kind of was, you know, I did pretty well at high school, but I was much I was sort of really enjoyed probably that health aspect, and um, I wanted to do a degree which actually came out with, you know, a career, I suppose. So I sort of still reflect and think I'm so lucky because occupational therapy is just 
being a wonderful profession, it allows you so much variety. There's so much diversity in what you can do. Um, and so I worked in more sort of general hospital settings, both in Melbourne and California for a few years, and then came back to, back home and was a little bit lost. And there was a lot of work at the time in the field of occupational rehab, which is very much around um, supporting people, mainly who've been injured in car accidents or at work, to get back to work. And I just loved it. Um, I loved getting out to different workplaces, learning about different types of work that people do. But probably most importantly, and I still remember some of these clients that I worked with, just how much they loved being back in the workplace. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I suppose that, and that's something that has remained with me sort of 20 years later, that real passion to support people, um, I suppose, to get the most out of their life through the power of work. It's something I'm, that's, that's really remained with me even since those early days. Um, I sort of spent a few years as well working in insurance companies, mainly for workers' compensation in Victoria. Um, and then I went over to the regulator, WorkSafe Victoria, and I ended up um, spending about five years leading a division which was focused on return to work. And I was able to really make some significant reforms during that time, which really, um, you know, working very closely both with um, employees and employers to you know, make changes to make things better for everyone. And that, so that's really, that was a really amazing and unique opportunity to be involved in that sort of leadership role at a time when there was a real appetite for change. Just on that, Dorothy, um, what were some yeah. of the key challenges in that role, um, working with both employers and employees on, on trying to do that integration? Mm. Well, again, it's because people have different... Um, you know, you think that their views are so disparate, but I would, um, I mean, this is quite challenging, but I'm pretty good at getting stakeholders together in a room and to really help them find where they actually met and, and to realise that they actually all want the same thing. <laughs> we all want people to be safe at work and to have a good experience at work and to recover if they are injured. So if you can just focus on that and recognise different perspectives, um, yeah, that's how you sort of get to an outcome that you want. Just being really open and transparent. Um, again, not doing their separate meetings with everyone separately, but you get them together. And, um, yeah, that was really satisfying, and that's how you can really make significant changes. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then I was kind of keen to um, get back into industry, and when, like where I sort of started back in occupational rehab, and I approached IPA, who... Um, the biggest sort of provider of occupational rehab and, and they, uh, you know, have a real a big national footprint. So I did that and we established the research and innovation team, which I led. Um, and then over the last sort of, it's now my sort of fifth or sixth year, I've sort of lost track, but I've been really lucky that the company has been, has grown and, and um, blended with other businesses. So at Work Australia, um, is one of those businesses and so my role has been able to sort of now sit across a number of different businesses across the MedHealth group. So um, I now work with disability employment and the unemployed, um, again still with people who are injured through work or road, motor vehicle accidents but my role's um, more strategic so developing you know services and programs, reviewing what the latest evidence is telling us um, works and trying to put that into practice. So, yeah, I really love it. I mean, it's just such a privilege to be able to do these sorts of things um, and work for, as I said, it's been great that the business has grown yeah. <laughs> and, and so that's therefore kept me challenged and interested over the years. And, and what do you enjoy most about what you're doing at the moment as it relates to that strategy and, and 
put, putting through uh, training policies or reforms or, or, or programs actually to help people. Mm. Well, it's funny, it, it, you know, inherently I still really like to help people. So even though I don't actually um, work with our clients directly, I'm quite removed. I mean, I sit in a corporate office in the city, yeah. um, but I love um, I love the feedback I get via, I mean, we obviously do surveys and request feedback from our clients directly or it comes from um, the people that are delivering services. So that still is what really gets me excited and almost, you know, you know, really tugs at the heartstrings to see how you can really change someone's life. I find that very rewarding. I'd imagine it would be. And do you, do you still miss that direct client contact at all? Do you still miss a certain degree of that? Um, yeah, I do. Um, but, you know, it's sort of come to a time where I haven't sort of done that direct client contact for so long. Okay. I don't know how, how it starts. So it's, you know, but having said that, I mean, I, I get, yeah, I sort of see people in the lifts or yep. um, hear things. And, yeah, but I do try to get out to a lot of our um, different offices and, and meet with, you know, our people that are delivering services and I, and I actually, the other thing that I enjoy about my role is being able to mentor people who are earlier on in their career yeah. um, and just help them, love seeing them develop and progress as they sort of gain experience and confidence as well. And, and like you said, you're indirectly getting that feedback um, mm. as well on the stuff that you're doing, which is really meaningful. So that's also... Well, I'm able to have more of an impact because like I can develop one program and that, you know, 50 people may develop that. Um, yeah. Deliver it, I mean, whereas if it's just one person, there's only so much you can do. That's a great point. And, and if we go to the, like, why employment is so important to a person's mental health, I mean, you being in this industry or in the role that you're in currently, but also your background, you must mm. see how how much this means to somebody. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah. Well, I think we know that, and there's been quite a bit of publicity about this at the moment, particularly for people that are in sort of various stages of isolation. We know that what you need to remain mentally healthy are things like um, remaining connectable, connecting with people, so that social connectivity, um, but also things like routine, structure. So I know very early on in ISO there was people saying, oh, I'll get up whenever, I'll just wear my pyjamas all day, but they're realising actually you need proper structure and routine. Um, and hey, work provides all of those, doesn't it? So that's why, um, yeah, when it comes down to why is work so important, it's because it provides all those elements and, and we know that they are things that really facilitate and maintain a positive you know, outlook and, and healthy, um, mentally healthy is there, or mental health, sorry. Yeah. Is there also something to do with the purpose, like having something meaningful to contribute towards is that also oh, absolutely i mean um that sense of achievement that you you know can tick things off whether it's you know very small achievements every day or if it's bigger longer term achievements so yeah people get um that direct satisfaction about that regularly through work and like you mentioned now during a pandemic, I mean, it's, this is probably something that, you know, unemployment going up and tip to continue to climb, uh, certainly over the next year. Mm. Um, tell us about mental health of, of the unemployed and, and the sort of things, the challenges that they're going through. Yeah, and I think the thing that I've always um, talked about with mental health and work is, you know, I mean, often there's an event that may trigger um, someone to become, you know, to become anxious or depressed or develop post-traumatic stress. You know, there's different types of 
um, I suppose, mental health disorders. But I think the thing that we worry, if you, the longer, you know, people might think, oh, I, I can't work until I'm feeling, you know, great again, until I'm back to my normal self. But they don't realise that the longer they're at home and, and the longer they lack those factors we talked about, um, connection with others, having productive things to do every day, having routines and structures, they're actually getting sicker. So the quicker people can get back to work, even if they're not, um, you know, feeling 100% as well as they normally are, I think the better. So at the moment, even though people can't work for, for whatever reasons, they may have lost their job, their, their business might be closed, it's really important that they find other activities that share those similar characteristics. So it could be, um, you know, like some of the things we're doing, structuring certain things during your day that, like, so for my son, who's only eight, he has a meeting at nine o'clock with his class mm-hmm. um, and then he does his work in the morning and, he, and you know, he does his reading and his English, I think, and then he knows at 10.30, mum's going to come and take a break and we're going to go for a bike ride outside. You know what I mean? And then he knows he does another couple of hours work. He has another meeting, I think, with his class and then he has lunch. So, so for people that aren't working at the moment and it may, may be really impacting them psychologically, thinking about those key things that we know um, are the key determinants of remaining mentally well and trying to find other ways that you can structure them or you know, do them during your day when you don't have work there to provide that sort of structure, social connectivity, etc. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's a good point, and you're right. I think with that that length of unemployment, uh, like you mentioned, you must see that 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 mental health deteriorates the longer that they are that they remain unemployed, which that's right. Uh, yeah, which further, I guess, spirals. Uh, you know, their ability to then try and get uh, a job. Um, at some mm. point in the future. Yeah. Tell, yep. us, tell us about what some of the opportunities are um, with regards to employing people with disabilities. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions. So employers might think, oh, no, I can't be bothered. They won't, they'll probably make mistakes. They're likely to get injured, um, may not be able to do the job, but It's actually the reverse. I mean, particularly if someone um, has had the support of an organisation like At Work Australia, we we make sure that we absolutely um, work with the individual to think about what they can and can't do and what kind of jobs will match their, you know, their abilities. So, if anything, you're almost they're almost more prepared and less risk of um, not coping in in that sort of work. So. you know, that's a real misconception that people will have trouble doing the job. It's probably almost the opposite. People with um, disabilities tend to be very motivated, driven, um, and particularly if they've had a period of unemployment, they really appreciate having a job. So your retention is usually improved as well. That's. Do you, do you think a key part of it is also the employer really understanding the disability and... and um, you know, so because like you said, they might have something in their head that, oh, no, I'd never consider that because of this. But mm-hmm. the more they get educated about it, all of a sudden they think, well, hang on. I mean, this could really be a great fit for both of us. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's always good to be open and transparent. But at the same time, if it's the disability is going to have nothing to do with the, the job, um, they don't legally they don't actually have to disclose um, a disability um, unless it's could impact on their work. But, you know, something like mental health particularly, which is 
I mean, I think the stigma has really reduced around mental health. People are realising that it's so common. We're having discussions about mental health more and more. But, you know, I think if, if, if you have an employee who's able to say, look, I've had, I've had problems with depression in the past, but, you know, I now know how to manage it um, or I'm on medication or, you know, and I know the things to look out for. I may need an occasional day off. I don't know, just having that open and transparent discussion can really help. Um, I mean, we're all human and, and you know what? We know that it's probably one in five people have some sort of a disability. So it's not like, um, you know, it's out, every, you know, I'm sure if you think about your close circle of friends, colleagues, family, there will be people with varying types of disabilities. Um, so the more, again, the more we can normalise that, the better. And I think a lot more uh, companies these days, organisations uh, that are more progressive are actually encouraging or have some sort of mentally healthy or wellness program or um, a part, you know, just to show that they actually want to acknowledge um, and, uh, and and actually get this, you know, reduce the stigma and talk about this uh, in the workplace. And I think it only has to benefit that um that culture of inclusiveness for businesses. I mean, do you think that that's such a big benefit for businesses? Yes, but it's it's more than that. I mean, it's not like you turn off part of yourself when you go to work, right? Um, I actually was lucky enough to, to, to um, win, win some money a couple of years ago for an industry award. And I spent, I decided to, um, I did a trip to the States and did a course at Harvard Uni in Boston and the topic was total worker health. And it was, you know, the, the biggest minds in the industry talking about the thing, this whole thing. It's the total worker. It's not just part of them. And, you know, thinking about, you know, you know exactly what you said. How do we keep people healthy at work? And I think one example from someone was, you know, a big CEO of a big I can't remember what kind of business it was, but they spent all this money on a gym in the in the workplace. How great's that? Lovely gym, but you were only allowed to use it outside of work hours. Well, that's ridiculous because guess what? People are rushing to get home to their family and to kick food, cook food, do homework with the kids, etc. So, you know, you've got to be really serious about this. We know that if people can um, do half an hour of exercise during their normal work day, they will do it. So to say that you can only go to the gym at that time is just, really short-sighted so again it's been really creative about policies and you know this this ISO has really shown employers that people guess what people can be really productive working from home um, I mean I'm really lucky my employers are pretty progressive and because we work in health we know yeah. we, we, sh- we should be quite you know ahead of the curve so I always work um, one of my days at home it's just what I do and I know I get heaps done on that day because I don't have interruptions but guess what when I pick up my kids from school I don't really log on unless there's something urgent I need to do and that works really well so this concept of you know you must be at your desk between nine to five in the head office working but you know thinking about what a person needs to remain healthy means they need some flexibility to actually attend to their normal life stuff as well so you know employers I think you know, again, going to somewhere like Harvard is, is sort of showing you the gold standard of where we need to get to. But I think this pandemic has almost fast forwarded some of that, the need for employers to actually do more in the mental health space, um, you know, allow people flexibility to, yeah. to address their, you know, life needs, et cetera. So, 
Yeah, it's, it's really an evolving area, but I'm, I'm, I really believe in that. And I think, um, I think we'll definitely see more and more changes in the coming years. That's really interesting. And, and if you remember, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the old, uh, the old adage was, you know, when you get to the door, you leave your, you leave your personal stuff at the door yes. and you come in ready to work. And <laughs> yeah, you know, don't bring this, you know, your crap, so to speak, to work yeah. because you're here to do a job. I mean, and that mm. seems to be, uh, you know, completely flipped. Um, yeah, exactly. And, ho- and yep. hopefully, is is, you know, is getting eradicated that that sort of culture. Mm. But um, encouraging that openness and that communication and that. Uh, yeah, to discuss a lot of this stuff in the workplace is really important. Yes, yes, that's right. Tell us about positivum. Is that how you say it? Positivum. Yeah, positivum. Po- positivum. Okay, so tell us about this program and um, you know who it involved and why you came up with it in the first place. Yeah, so um, as I mentioned earlier, I mean obviously just working in hospitals, seeing that how how people with quite similar illnesses or disability, how they respond very differently. Um, and then working in workers' compensation, I'd see people with a very similar injury um, and then similar work environment or duties, but then some would go back to work within a few weeks and others would still possibly be off work, you know, six to 12 months later. So you think, what is different here? <laughs> what is making people's experiences and um, their recovery is so much different because their injuries or their disabilities are similar. Why do people respond so differently? And um, I, I've, I've realised that that's really to do with just people's individual inherent way they think about things, the way they approach life, um, attitudes towards working, um, attitudes towards health, um, and also how people around them, what, what their perceptions of the world are and how they influence those individuals as well. Um, and so, I, and and then I started looking at the literature, and there's a lot of literature around that as well. There's even there's, you know academics from all over the world who even go as far as to say it's not really the injury or illness or disability that will determine whether someone will remain gainfully employed. It's more their attitude to things. I mean, isn't that amazing? Wow. <laughs> you know, we get so caught up on oh, how how much can people lift? How how far can they walk? How long can they stand for? I mean, it's it's actually that's important to consider, but more important, I think, is their mindset and their attitude towards working. So, um, because things like beliefs, perceptions, mindset are so subjective, I, I thought we need to come up with a way that we can one help unpack what someone's beliefs and perceptions about work and their health are, um, and then how do you help them move forward and address those factors? So. That was pretty scary. I'm like, holy goodness, how am I going to do this? <laughs> but I did, you know, go go to the literature, talk to lots of people, and then eventually just started, um, you know, developing this program. Um, I mean, we developed sort of some questions to help, like I said, to assess where people are at, and then developed this program. It was at the time just, just worksheets, activities that people would do, questions to get them to reflect on things. Um, and now, you know, four years later, it's all online and self-directed and it's, you know, has benefited thousands of people around the country. So, so when you say what is possible, why was it created? It's really to, as I said, to really be able to address and, um, or assess and address people's beliefs and perceptions around health and working. 
Yeah, and and so so as a disability employment service provider uh, at work yeah. said, uh, hey, because uh, I think you joined up with Monash Uni for this, is that right? Yeah, yeah, definitely use their insights and their um, skills to help inform our, you know, the research help inform what we what we deliver now. Yeah, so it's an evidence based uh, assessment tool. Yeah. That you said, okay, well, a, a big part of what helps people regain employment is their mindset and some people yep. uh, and the way they approach or their outlook or their attitude to life. So you, That's right. you've come up with a tool to help um, help people uh, go inside of themselves. So, so mm. ask them questions that actually um, re- uh, refer to their mindset and, and their beliefs. That's right. And thoughts and in trying to change that to for the better to hopefully get them mm. back into the workforce. That's right. That's really interesting. I, I read something that says uh, recent reports during COVID-19 have shown that 60,000 Australians have applied for job seeker support via Centrelink and that mm. mental health conditions have been heightened due to the pandemic as many find themselves out of work for the first time. Can you explain why those physical or learning disability um uh, or community should take advantage of this program with Positivium? Well, it's almost perfect time because um, well, people have probably more time on their hands and there's almost that lack of, I, I call it noise, you know, distraction. So um, even, you know, I'm hearing from people that there's just more time for them to reflect on where they're at and what they sort of want to achieve in life. Um, so for this cohort, as I said, particularly with, disabilities that are out of work, it's, again, a great time to step back and think about what you want to achieve and what your life goals are and think about working and and what kind of jobs you've enjoyed doing in the past or what kind of work you think you might like. Um, And the good thing about Positivum is that it really um, helps facilitate that reflection, as I said, with those really pointed pointed questions. Um, But the really... So it's not all like that. It's not all about reflection and challenging. Um, there's a few chapters like that. And then the rest is more about actually giving you practical tips. So it's almost the way I sort of think about it is the first few chapters are about reflection and then setting up some goals. And then you've got the person quite motivated about what they want to do next. But then, you know, we need to help them to become physically and mentally well and strong. Um, so there's chapters with lots of tips and education around how to sleep better, how to manage stress, how to become more resilient, how to, you know, gradually build up your physical activity so you can do more. So, you know, this time will pass. Um, We don't know what it's going to be like at the end of, well, at least in Melbourne, end of ISO 2, as I call it. But it's important for people that aren't working at the moment, particularly if they've got other barriers such as disabilities or um, whether it's mental health or a physical disability, when they get when we get to the end of ISO and there's jobs start opening up again, that they're confident, they know what they want to achieve, they're motivated, they're physically and mentally as well as they can be, so that when job opportunities come up, they're ready to take them yeah. and grab those opportunities. The worst thing you want is, you know, the job market opens up and you're like been sitting around in your pajamas, drinking more, isolated, just watching Netflix. That's that that person is a long way from getting a job. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so like I said, something like Positivum just can give people the push they need and the skills to um, yeah build up. As I said, being that right, right frame of mind and also um, physically and mentally strong enough to be able to actually get a job when the opportunities come up. 
How do people that are in that, I mean, because in some respects, there's, I mean, yes, there are some jobs out there at the moment, but mm. I mean, if you're in a holding pattern right now, yeah. does, does the program sort of give you something day to day that you can do, even though there's probably not the opportunity out there right now for you, but is it a lasting, I guess my question is, is it really like a lasting impact that, you know, if this goes for another few months, you can still be mm. re- there ready to go? Yeah, as I said, it's about setting those goals. So if you think, well, in two months, I want to be able to um, walk for an hour. Um, I want to make sure I, you know, tools like people, different people find different things, help them remain mentally healthy. And for some, it might be making sure they're, you know, connecting with people every day. So, okay, you can't go out and meet them. You can't visit someone who lives more than 5Ks away, but you can FaceTime. I mean, I'm doing that a lot with particularly my mum who lives on her own. We're doing lots of FaceTiming um, and yeah. she's loving that. So, again, it's, it's structuring those things in your daily schedule and gradually building up your activity levels, um, like I said, so that you're sort of at the best you can be. Um, and it might even, and like I said, it's, it's still thinking about different, it might be a great time to do a course. I mean, that's the other thing our job coaches at, at Work Australia do. They're sort of working with people, looking at their goals, and it might be a great time. I mean, there's so many online programs you can do, short term, longer term. Um, there might be things with official qualifications, like, like Certificate 3 or Certificate 4. So, again, perfect time to be thinking about doing those sorts of things as well. And so we mentioned that it goes, uh, so it gives them an opportunity to, with the program itself, uh, to provide insights into their thoughts and their beliefs and positive, uh, possibly a way to reframe some of those uh, negative hmm. beliefs and whatnot. What, what other areas? It's, it's not just on thoughts, though. You mentioned sleep before. Is it a holistic yeah. approach? Yes. I mean, I'm I'm probably it's interesting the ISO period for me has made me realize how I mean being a health professional and being so aware of this kind of stuff how how unaware the general population is so a lot of people don't even realize that um, you know you need to educate yourself to be able to make decisions and COVID's been a perfect example of that where you know people haven't done things like stayed at home because they probably didn't realize why we're being told to do that. Do you know what I mean? So so I've taken the approach with Positivum to um, not just tell people you should be exercising every day, you should, um, you know, keep a mood journal, you should do mindfulness. Why should they? They're adults. They don't want to be told what to do. But we give them education. So it's educating them. Like, do you realise that exercising every day is beneficial because it, you know, your body gets stronger, oxygen flows around, you might have a bad back, but actually moving helps you. It's actually educating them as to why we're making these recommendations. So, um, yeah, that's really important because that empowers people and they can take control of their life and, and choose things that will benefit them. So that's, that's really important to take that approach. It's so true, uh, and and I guess mm. um, I mean I've been blessed to have a pretty good routine with exercise in the morning. Yep. But even with businesses up on the Gold Coast, I live in North Northern New South Wales, yeah, uh, and can't get to them at the moment. And I mean the stress that it puts on you, and you're like, you know what? Tomorrow I just don't. I'm I just I just don't feel like doing anything. And yeah, but I actually find the opposite is true. Even though you don't want to get up and do anything, mm. after you do that, um, you actually feel a lot better um, than yes. if you just slept in for the sake of because you didn't really want to do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And exercise is a perfect one. I mean, I've always, 
all my sort of adult life um, done exercise straight after work. So I had my gym bag with me and I either went to yoga or the gym because I know that if I go home, I'll get changed, have a snack. Oh, now I've eaten too much, probably can't exercise. So for me, that works. Whereas now I want to get home from work and see my kids. I don't feel like I can justify, you know, being out for another hour or so. So I have become an ex- a morning person <laughs> um, and exercise in the morning. And it's great because then it's done. Yeah. And otherwise, it's almost that stress all day. Oh, I've got to fit exercise in, got to fit exercise in. Um, so they're the kind of things, you know, we have to teach these some people that just it hasn't been a part of their life. So it's whatever works for them. But that again, coming back to this, the routine and structure and thinking about planning ahead and making people realise, hey, this is stuff that we all battle with. It doesn't just happen. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? You've actually got to make a conscious effort to to achieve the life you want to achieve by stopping and thinking about where you want to be and what you want to do. Um, yeah, so it's, and, it's and really... The, the we other, take people on that journey. The other thing, Dorothy, is it's it's not like it's easy every day, is it? Like, I mean, it's not like you have a superpower that says, "Oh, yes, every day I'm so keen to get up and mm-hmm. exercise," or or yeah, even right. after after work you've had a a tough day and you just want to get home and play with the mm-hmm. kids or do something. But you sort of say, "Well, you know what? I'm going to do it." And after you make that commitment and you do it, you then feel actually the reverse, a whole lot better as a result of doing it. So it's not like it's easy every day. No, that's right. And we talk about that in Positive and um, they talk about the fact that, you know, it's about moving forward gradually and that might mean that you have some good days and some bad days. The The main thing is that you're moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it might take some people longer than others and not to be too tough on yourself. We actually, I mean, Positive, as I said, there's an, it's an online assessment and then an online health coaching program with, you know, lots of interactive activities as well as sort of education materials lots of video clips, etc. But we, the people at At Work Australia that are um, seeking support actually have a job coach. So we don't just say, here's positive and off you go, do it. Good luck with that. Um, yeah. we, 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 get, we sort of set, set tasks. So say, okay, well, go, go away and let's, do, let's maybe do the first chapter together. So they get the hang of it and they sort of make sure they know how to use the computer, etc. And then... Now, how about you do this next chapter on your own and then we'll have a conversation either face-to-face or on the phone and and talk about it. And that's a really good opportunity for the coach to, in some cases, challenge people a bit more, um, help or or even just reinforce, you know, some of the things they've got out of it. And and again, that's how people, I mean, behaviour change is hard, particularly when you thought about things in a certain way for many, many years. To make changes can be really confronting, but also can be hard. So it doesn't always happen overnight. But we do we do know that having a coach along the way guiding you through um, it really means you've got much more chance of getting you know being successful in making those changes. So that works quite that works really well with that model. I understand that'd be really. I mean, that's a big key to all this because how many times do you sign up to a program or you do something and then the first mm-hmm. day you're pumped. And then after that, you're like, ah, oh, you know what? I just don't feel like doing it today. Whereas that sort of accountability uh, mm. and having someone to ring you up and help you through it, talk That's you right. through it, challenge you, that would be a really key part of it. Yeah, definitely. That's that's absolutely right. And the other thing that job coaches can offer, I mean, and it's really nice when people come into our offices because they see other people like them as well. And, and we really celebrate successes. So there's you know, photos on the wall of people who've achieved, got a new job or 
we call them good news stories. And that's really motivating for other clients that are in a similar position. Um, but job coaches also have lots of anecdotes as well from clients that they've helped. So they're all, they, they share them as well. And that, for some people, that's really powerful to hear that others with similar challenges to themselves um, have been able to reinvent you know, a new life for themselves. And I mean, I, in my early days, I was a financial planner. And, and so what I had mm-hmm. to do with clients was they had to fill out a survey and then yep. spat out a certain risk appetite. And then that was what they mm-hmm. got. It, to what degree is this program personalized? And, and as they progress through it, does it still evolve and change and have that flexibility? Or is it something that's just a, a cookie cutter sort of type thing? Yeah, no, absolutely. So not everybody does every chapter. Really depends on on them, um, and and obviously the pace. Like I said, some people might really have a good understanding of a lot of this stuff and and have been quite interested or had positive experiences with things like exercise or mindfulness and things like that before. So depending on the person and what they've done before and where you know really where they're at. Um, we, we tailor the program to them, not only the topics, but things like the pace mm. that, that it's delivered and also the amount of support they need. And is there educational components in it that actually help them understand mental health or mental ill health conditions such as yeah, absolutely. stress or anxiety, yeah. depression? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and, you know, what's, what's so lovely is um, when developing the content, I've obviously looked at what the literature says um, works and, and, and how, to, how to explain things. But I've also asked um, our, our consultants or clients, like I had someone who um, I was developing, we've, got, we've, we've always had a chapter in Positivum around stress management and um, anxiety and depression because they're probably the most common disorders. But we also see a lot of people that come through at Work Australia with probably more significant mental health disorders such as, you know, bipolar or schizophrenia, things like that. And and they don't really go away. Like a lot of people will get periods of episodes, I suppose, of anxiety, depression throughout their life, but they can pretty much, you can almost resolve themselves and may not flare up ever again. But some of these um, other, ish, other things like more um, chronic depression or something like schizophrenia, people just have to learn to live with that. And I had a had someone who gave me some really good insights and one of her quotes was, it's not about um, suffering with your mental health condition, it's living with your mental health condition. Mm. And I've actually got that in positive. And so actually explaining to people, this is not something that's going to go away, but you can actually learn to manage it. Um, and that's the key. And that will lessen the impact in your life. You can't just ignore it, but if you would um, ex- ex- accept it um, and get help and start to really recognise your triggers and what to do about them, um, you're more likely to just re- really reduce the impacts of those um, episodes throughout your life. And um, So that's an example of how we've developed the content, made it really relatable to people um, and, and really got you know anecdotes and experiences from people that have actually been in that position and been able to move forward and have some success. And are there, is it built into the process for Positivum to be able to moving forward have certain updates, iterations as things develop, as things change to be able to continually adapt and improve? Mm. Well, because it's our program, um, yeah, we, we continually to evolve it and add new content. I mean, it costs money to do that because <laughs> anything that's 
you know, if it was just paper-based, it would be pretty easy just adding another page. But, you know, it's online, so we need to um, – we're working with some really experienced developers who um, design that content for us. So, you know, it's well worth it. I mean, it's really important that we um, offer our clients the most relevant, up-to-date information, obviously. Do you have some sort of uh, examples of people that have, um, you know, not mentioning names, but any examples of somebody that was in this situation, they went through the program and now like, I mean, is there, obviously, you know, this Mm. works, but does any come to mind something that's really stuck out to you about someone that's had some great success? Yeah, I think people that, um, like I remember one client who I actually met, I was visiting one of our offices in Brisbane and I sat in on a couple of sessions and this this young man was only, I don't think he was even 20, he was about 18 or 19. He had really severe scoliosis, like almost like, you know, hunched back. So quite physically disabling, but he had, um, but he had in his mind that he wanted to be a mechanic or something. And he'd been working with one of our competitors and they're like, yeah, 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 you can do it. And he got a job, but he just failed after a couple of days. He couldn't physically do the job. And then he came to At Work Australia and again, we sort of helped him to better understand what I suppose his strengths and potential limitations were and but still thought about, you know, by doing positive he recognised that he really wanted to do something, some sort of trade um, and they set a goal for him to work with small parts, you know, like fixing small things so you can put them up on a bench and it's not as physically demanding. But, hey, he had to go and do a course for that. Um, and so I think the coach helped him to think about, you know, set those longer-term goals but also in the meantime look at some study um, and building up his sort of physical – he was more a physical um, – more physical disability but, you know, really helping him build up his – um, physical strength and stamina, so that, like I said, when he when when he finished his course, he'd be able to sort of go out and get a job, and and that was really beneficial for him because he, you know, I think the worst thing is to get a job and you fail is is actually worse than not working at all because that's a real setback. But to have gone through that setback, but then to still sort of be able to think about the future and. You know, the, the, the wording in positivism is quite uplifting. It, um, you know, some people don't like it. They think some of the quotes are too airy-fairy. Um, <laughs> I think I've got a picture of um, J.K. Rowling, the author of Harry Potter, and I've got a quote in there that says she actually was a single mum and practically almost homeless living in London. I mean, how awful would that be? It's a tough city to live in if you um, are struggling yeah. like that. And it was like the 20th publisher accepted her book. Wow. And look at her now, that changed her life. But she didn't stop. She kept going. Like some people will, you know, get knocked back back three times and that's it. I can't, pos- no, I, there's no way I can get a job because I've applied for three jobs and haven't got it. Um, so Positive and put some things like that in there. It says, do you realise the Australian Bureau of Statistics has interviewed, you know, 25,000 job seekers and they know that it's, on average it took them six, it took, I think, like 80% of those at least six months to get a job. Wow. So we're actually just giving people facts. They go, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a failure just because I didn't get the job first time. Yeah, but different people relate to different things. So some people really respond well to those facts. Others will love, you know, the inspirational quotes. Others, you know, so we, so that's been hard. That's, as a developer for me, that's been hard, making sure you have enough in there for everybody. Um, yeah, but I definitely love hearing 
I mean, we recently pulled out, I think there was about 200 people that had recently completed the positive and coaching and they, they, we asked them for their feedback at the end of it and, oh, it just makes me so happy to hear some of the feedback, things that they, they're doing differently. Um, and the ones that are probably most powerful are really around that way of thinking that people go, oh, I realise that I'm really negative. I'm always negative and it's probably really put people off in the past. And I just think, wow. <laughs> you know, as an employer who employs people, I mean, 100%, mm. I mean, mindset itself is, I mean, in some respects, mindset is more important than skills to some certain degree. Yeah. Uh, and so if yep. you have someone that understands themselves, understands what they really want to do, because it's one thing to turn up to an interview for a job you're probably not really that interested in. I mean, you can tell straight away. Whereas, yeah. you know, if they know themselves what it is they really want in life and they take that more of an intentional um, planning to their life and where they want to go rather than a reactive, I'll just take what I can get. Uh, yeah. I mean, if they're really following something they want to do and they understand that with their skills and their strengths um, and they come to you, I mean, you can. it's so clear and obvious. You can tell when people are really, really excited and have a genuine yes. passion for what they want to do. That's um, right. Yeah, I mean, you can teach you can teach sort of skills on like how to do this, how to do that. You can teach them that, but you, you know, if they come to you already with those sort of competencies and that attitude and the right mindset, it's gold. Yeah. yeah. Tell me, Dorothy, as we move forward, uh, I mean, we're certainly in some uncertain times. Mm. What do you think are going to be some of our biggest challenges coming up? Um, well, it's interesting. I was speaking to a doctor that. I work with through the Med Health Group, and he said it's, it's. I don't know this whole. I mean, people that have actually had had the coronavirus, um, we actually don't understand what the impacts are longer term. Mm. So that's going to be really interesting longer term, just from a health perspective. Um, so that's really worrying me. Like, I, I my attitude was like, oh well, I don't mind. I probably, you know, if if I get it, I'm pretty healthy. It's yeah. probably not a big deal. But now I'm like, actually, I don't want to get it because we don't actually know what this disease does to you. Yeah, and we're <laughs> so seeing, that's going to be, yeah. And we're seeing more people that are healthy that get it still. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like they're, they're coming out unscathed. No, it's pretty awful, actually. Um, but So that, that worries me. Like, we, like, and what maybe we might see things popping up in 20, 30 years as, as people, you know, in, in people that have got it younger. So that's, that's one worry. But obviously, um, you know, Businesses that just have closed and just won't reopen, yeah. um, and, and sort of that—that so just that longer-term unemployment. And as I said, I'm acutely aware of the benefits to people's, particularly mental health, of working, and obviously the freedom that financial um, remuneration gives them as well. So that's really, really sad um, to know that you know Australia's been pretty lucky with pretty high levels of employment up till now but you know to have you know over 10% people unemployed particularly younger people is, is going to be yeah just going to be really interesting what what we do to stimulate the economy and get people back into work um, yeah so yeah and I just yeah. really hope that people a lot a lot more people I don't know if, it, if I can play a small part in helping people to kind of just keep going and um, I mean in Victoria at Work Australia I met with their state managers late last week and they said we've closed every office now but we still want to see our or speak to our clients weekly 
and now's a great time for us to be doing positivum. So it means my team are really ramping up and make sure, you know, we're supporting all our teams across the state because we just want to, we just so, you know, really believe in um, the important role we can play in someone's life to help them during this period. So we're so lucky that we have positivum as a tool that we can use during that time as well. So. And I mean, the mental health of the unemployed, which and that unemployment rate, mm-hmm. as we've mentioned, is going to continue to 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 go up. That's going to be really, really crucial throughout this next period. Um, and what we're in now, it's also coming up to what's going on. But also, the people who are still employed. I mean, there's still a lot of uncertainty. Um, there's still a lot of. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of anxiety for people that are employed at the moment as well, maybe around their jobs and what's happening, mm-hmm. will they be next? I mean, so now more than ever, the mindset of people, um, you know, is really, really important. And uh, and is there any chance that Positivum helps not only people that are unemployed with their mindset, but can also help people in general? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm someone who thinks I have pretty good understanding of health yeah. <laughs> and what, what you need to do. And, I mean, I still sort of sometimes reflect on some of the tips in there. I mean, I, um, I've i been having some trouble sleeping on and off during this period. Not, I don't think – I mean, at times it's because I've been worried about things. Other times it's just because I probably just don't need as much sleep. I'm not doing as much. I'm not as tired. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's some tips in positive about, you know, what to do to, to get to sleep better. So, um you know, there's there's definitely things for everybody. I mean, we know that when we when we um, first launched the program to um, our occupational rehab business, IPA, who are all allied health professionals, I had a lot of those consultants saying, "Oh, I learned a lot out of that. I'm actually doing that thing I learned in positive." And so, yeah, definitely, it's something that um, yeah everybody could benefit from. You can always keep improving your health yeah. and awareness and things. Yeah. So as we ran for the the home straight, um, yeah. how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, probably um, the best thing would be just through our At Work Australia website yep. um, or contact details if you're able to yep. share share those as a help box. Yep. yep. Okay, that's great. And uh, lastly, is there are there any other things that uh, you would like me to ask you? Is there anything that I haven't uh, touched on that you want to mention? Or any comments um, in just, closing? Yeah, I just think what you said before about um, how people are travelling at the moment. And I think, um, you know, the role of leadership during a phase like this is really important. And, and just recognising that uncertainty is what really impacts people. So even to know that, um, you know, just clear, as, as we know, because we don't have all the answers, but just for people to know and leaders to be saying, you know, this is why we need to be doing what we're doing and people to understand that rather than just you must do this. Stay home, you have to stay home, but why? Whereas when they explain things like the more people are out and about, the more contact there is, the more things are spreading, hopefully people understand that more. Um, and then, and I think in Melbourne to know that we're, now in six weeks isolation until I think 15th of September or something. At least we know, whereas it's been really horrible, just like we'll do three weeks and then I'll guess what, in two days the kids are going to be home from school for the next two weeks and then in two weeks' time I'll guess what, they're home for another five weeks. That chopping and changing and unknowing just means you can't plan, whereas at the moment even though 
what we know is pretty awful. At least we know and we can prepare ourselves. So I think, I don't know, almost that just just being open with people and transparent um, and, and, and again, that respectfulness and educating people the better we can, um, I think are really important. Some really great points uh, and mm-hmm. and some great work that you're doing. Uh, Dorothy, we appreciate all the work that you're doing out there and it's great to see this program's out there helping people uh, stay positive during such a tough time. Uh, yeah, thank but, you. But also yeah. changing their mindsets to, uh, you know, help give their or help elevate their chances of being employed at some point in the near future. Yeah, yeah. Really critical. So thanks very much for that um, and thanks for sharing that with our listeners and we appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you very much, Sam. You too. Is there someone working in mental health who you'd like to be featured on the podcast? Are there more questions you want the answers to? Let us know what you want to hear. Get in touch with us by emailing any podcast suggestions to membership at anzmh.asn.au and be sure to stay up to date on our socials at ANZMHA on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you very much for listening and we look forward to sharing our next conversation.